This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Joining us on the podcast today is Jonah Idas, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at EVGO. How are you doing today, Jonah? Pretty good, Isaiah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. So you've been with EVGO now for about seven years. So how'd you get connected with this company? Yeah, so I would say I got into clean tech a little over 10 years ago, primarily because uh, my outside interest is I'm a surfer. So I, you know, I really have always valued uh, the environment and always put a premium on clean air and water and uh, I bounced around the clean tech industry. I worked on uh, demand response programs for utilities for a couple of years. Former colleague ended up at EVGO and, and reached out to me. And what I saw was an opportunity to really make an impact on emissions and, and on clean air at a very, very tangible level. And I, I jumped in back when we were still part of NRG Energy out of Houston. And it's been really incredible, you know, looking at the number of electric miles that we have charged over the last seven years. It is well into the hundreds of millions of electric miles and growing. Yeah, you wanted to make a a difference and you sure have because EVGO is everywhere now. I was looking at the website. They were, I guess, EVGO is now the nation's largest public fast charging network for EVs. Uh, you all recently named as one of two rising stars of the year by Global Cleantech. And I saw from a press release online, EVGO recently opened up its 800th fast charging location. So man, that's a, that's a lot of accolades there. So what, what do you think have been some of the reasons in particular for, for EVGO's uh, massive success as of late? Yeah, I would say that you have to start with patience. We got into this industry in 2010 when there really were not a lot of EVs on the road and the patience that our original owner NRG Energy showed to invest in us and both of our subsequent investors, uh, Vision Ridge partners up until the end of last year and now LS Power, being able to continue to invest in in a capitally intensive business through the early years when so few people were driving electric vehicles. I think that has been one of the biggest reasons for success. It is, it is and certainly was at that time a very difficult business. And we had seen quite a few companies come in with significant investment and fall out. So I would say at the top of the list is, is patience. Our experience, obviously, we've been doing this, our company has been doing this for about 10 years, which is three or four lifetimes in the EV charging world, certainly for public fast charging. And then I would have to say, you know, our expertise, our diligence when it comes to working with, you know, working with electricity, our safety protocols, and then our relationships, getting this amount of power from 
the grid and into an electric vehicle requires a web of parties to be involved, working with utilities to do something that a lot of them had never done before. A lot of them, when we started working with them, didn't have dedicated resources for electric vehicle charging. So we would just be working with the local rep in that area rather than a centralized group within the utility. Over the years, we've, we've worked with those utilities to create processes to help them understand the needs of the market and show them the value of, of this industry, which is quite significant. In California last year, I think electric vehicle charging represented the third largest new load coming onto the grid for utilities. That, that is massive. That's behind wow. uh, home building and actually the marijuana industry, which is number two. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it is, it is a function of time. It's a function of long-term investors who are patient and then you know, our experience, diligence, and, and our relationships. Yeah, the, the first one with the patient, so kudos to your leadership, but that's, it seems like a, a big chicken and egg, uh, you know, do you, what comes first, the cars or the charging station, so having to balance that, and I remember seeing just studies, because I've been in this industry for 13 years now, and, you know, this percentage of people will be driving EVs mm-hmm. by this year, and this, so <laughs> you, you've seen it all, but mm-hmm. how do you feel the trends have been, or the studies have been, or maybe better yet, what do you feel the trends are going forward with EV adoption and, and utilization? Yeah, I, I think you're right to reference all of the studies over the years. I think that what we've probably seen is that a lot of these forecasts have been a little bit ambitious. And while we never seem to quite hit them, I think that the adoption of EVs has been incredibly resilient and has been stronger than a lot of the more conservative takes have been. Part of that is that the building an electric car takes a really long time, as we've seen. There are a few companies out there, obviously Tesla is, is the one that comes to mind, that spent years and years developing an electric car, much less a fleet of electric cars. So you look at the majors, the, the Ford, the GMs, and you know obviously the European and Asian automakers who are are now and have been putting electric vehicles out. Most of the legacy automakers kind of dipped their toes in with one or two vehicles to see how those those played and then have been spending the last few years building their plans to release fleets of, of vehicles. And I think what we are going to see is that very quickly the price of an electric vehicle will be at or below the price of a comparable gas vehicle. What we are already seeing is that the cost of ownership of electric vehicles is at or below the cost of owning a gas vehicle. A lot of that has to do with, you know, electricity is in many instances cheaper than gas, but also the lack of maintenance required on an electric vehicle is something that a lot of folks don't take into account. Most people look at the sticker price and they say, nope, that's more expensive than a gas vehicle. But I've been driving electric for about five years, never paid for an oil change, never paid for my transmission to be repaired, never paid for literally anything to do with my vehicle in, uh, except for new tires. So wow. I think that there have been a lot of points where it feels like we're at 
an inflection point. But at the same time, while the sticker price tends to be higher than a comparable car, and it's obviously coming down and getting closer and closer, it's amazing to see how many electric vehicles are on the road at that higher sticker price and how much, especially Tesla, has put vehicles out and shifted people away from gas. I think the other trends we're seeing are that people who buy or lease an electric car are incredibly likely to never go back to gas. Yeah, it's similar to what we say in parking. Well, once someone gets into the parking industry, they never get out of it. So it's the same <laughs> with the EV, EV cars that once you go EV, you never look back. So yeah, I, can, yeah. I can relate there. I, the, I think the, the piece of information that I find most in- intriguing in the present day environment is that while vehicle sales and leases have obviously taken a, a pretty significant dip, the sales and leases of electric vehicles have gone down at a much lower clip than overall vehicle sales. So that is to say, yeah. they electric vehicle sales and leases are displaying a remarkable amount of resilience to COVID. And I think also what we keep hearing is people are looking up in the cities and, you know, in LA, somebody told me they can see a mountain outside of their window from their apartment and they never knew there was a mountain there. I've heard <laughs> so, stories like that. That's, that's so sad. Yeah. So I think people are kind of saying, oh, this is what an electric future could be. Now, I don't think we're, we're that close to, uh, you know, supplanting 90% of the gas vehicles out there so that we can maintain lack of smog that we're currently seeing today in, in places like China and LA. But you, but, but you said an important thing that the, the costs even now are, or in the near future will be at or below mm-hmm. the cost. Because to me, I don't think people want a gas car over EV. Yeah, certainly. And I think people who dig into it and, and people who really look at how much have I spent on maintenance on this vehicle, and you factor that in and you factor in the cost of fueling your vehicle, you can very quickly make an economic case for an electric vehicle today. The challenge that EVgo really works to solve is this, uh, the, the gating item around range anxiety. The fear, and, the range yeah. anxiety, yep, yep. Yeah, and so, you know, what I always tell people is, first of all, you're not driving more than 300 miles at a time as often as you think you are. So people say, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rely on having to stop at a fast charger and charge for 30 or 40 minutes when I go on a road trip. Once every two years, I go visit the (laughs) in-laws and I have to drive eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine you have to stop for food along the way. So you you can get a charge along the way. But the reality is most charging is still done at home. And my first electric vehicle only got about 80 miles of range. And, you know, I don't have a very long commute, but I left my house every morning with 80 miles, right? Which is more than enough to do 95% of American driving in a day. It's probably enough to do, I think the average American commutes about 40 miles. So plenty more than that. These days, we're seeing vehicles come off the line with, you know, regularly 200 to 300. The next generation, we're going to see 400 plus miles of range. 
And I think we're going to see that electric, that range anxiety drop precipitously. At the same time, there are, you know, not everybody lives in a single family home, but what EVgo really works to do is put in fast chargers in locations that, that make sense with people's commutes. Which leads us to parking. Mm -hmm. I hate to interrupt, but yeah, I was going to say, well, in in talking about trends, one thing that we were talking about before we started recording was that what you just mentioned earlier, the the car sales are declining year after year, parking Mm -hmm. facilities, we're seeing less and less cars where now owners of parking, parking asset owners are now thinking about how else can we use this real estate? The company that I work for, Reef, does a great job with that, putting mm-hmm. cloud kitchens and garages and other things. But that makes perfect sense for, for EV charging. We have this real estate. People are parking mm-hmm. to go to their offices or universities or, or whatever. So how, have you, how has EVgo worked with parking asset owners for EV charging stations? Yeah, absolutely. To, to the meat. Um, <laughs> so... There's a couple of different ways that, that a relationship would start. Initially, you know, we do see a lot of parking operators who are, who are recognizing exactly what you said, that the world is changing. There are a lot more people taking rideshare, Lyft and Uber. There's a lot more people doing car share. Obviously, the, the airport is kind of the first place that it's, it's most noticeable where People aren't leaving their car for six, seven days at a time while they fly. They're, they're taking a Lyft or an Uber to the airport. So we have seen folks thinking exactly the way you referenced that how can we generate ancillary income from these parking spaces? Or as you suggested, think about these parking spaces more as real estate than as a parking space itself. So we, we've done this a, a few ways to start. To avoid burying the lead, our business model is that we own and operate the charging stations. So that means we pay for everything. So this is not an investment that a a parking owner or operator needs to make. In this partnership, EVgo would be installing the charging stations. We would pay for the utility interconnection, do all of the design, engineering, permitting, and pay for all the equipment. We do the installation, et cetera. We really want this to be a set it and forget it installation for our partners. Can I interrupt there? So <laughs> that's, that's what we like to hear. We, we don't have to pay a lot of the, the upfront fixed costs so that you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. So I think a lot of our listeners are saying, okay, because that's the, the first question. Mm-hmm. How much does this cost? To, how much wire? How much does the mm-hmm. EV stations uh, cost? So yeah, that's really practical to our listeners right now. Yeah, yeah. So beyond that, I think there's two different ways that a parking operator would generate additional revenue from that. One is simply that people are seeking out these charging stations and so they'll come in and and pay to park. So yes, EVgo does pay for everything. Uh, We do all of the service and maintenance as well. So if the chargers go down, likely the, the, our partner would never even know about it because a driver would simply call us or we'd see it on our network and send a tech. Uh, So it really is a set it and forget it amenity. And then for the parking operator, what you would see is increased traffic to the site and and increased ancillary revenue associated with additional folks coming 
coming to the parking lot. So I'm assuming you're on apps and, or does EVgo have their own app to push people to locations that have EV charging? Yes. So we have our own app. There is a third party app called PlugShare that shows all charging stations everywhere. What we're actually seeing more and more is that EVgo will be in the in the UI of the vehicle. So the vehicle's navigation system would simply navigate them right to that lot. I think I told you this earlier, but I was talking with a, a garage manager recently where they had, in the past, they had their garages were full and they'd get mad because there'd be you know, mm-hmm. five, five EV charging stations spaces that were empty. Uh, now it's the reverse. There's not a lot of people in the garages and all the <laughs> EV charging spaces are full. He needs to put in more. So uh, that, that's, that's encouraging. And, and talk a little bit about charging. We always try to add some sort of educational piece for, for our listeners. So, you know, when you think EV charging, I, I mean, I'm going to plead my ignorance, ignorance here. I don't know, like a regular out, outlet versus a level one or level two. Does Tesla use one of these? Do they have their mm-hmm. own? I don't understand all that. And which one EVgo services? Sure. So a level one is essentially just plugging your car into a wall outlet which very few people actually do, but it's kind of like, I just bought an EV, I'm going to drive it home, I've got this cord in the back of my car, I'm going to plug it into my, into my house while I get a level two installed at my house. Yep. Uh, level one will give you, generally takes about 18 to 24 hours to get a full charge, so very few people are doing that. A level two is, is more of a workplace or a home solution it's really an overnight charge. It takes about a, as much power as, a, as your home dryer. So some people will just plug dr- into their dryer outlet. A lot of other people will just get a charger installed. And then level three is a little more complicated. That is our core business, which is public fast charging. I think in layman's terms, fast charging would be most similar to the gas station experience. But it's not really at, at a five-minute charge. More likely, you're seeing about 80 to 100 miles of range in, in 30 minutes. Charging is obviously getting faster, and we're seeing higher and higher turnover at the chargers. Within the next, I would say, year or two, we've already got chargers out that will do up to about three or four times that. But the the cars need to be able to take it. So most of the cars historically will get about 100 miles of range in, in 30 minutes. The cars that are rolling off the lines today can do you know, into 200, 300 miles of range in 30 minutes. Wow. So, I mean, I've heard some, maybe this is sci-fi, but mm-hmm. almost to the point with putting solar panels on pavement or streets mm-hmm. where they can almost charge while you drive. Do you think the future looks like that one day in the, in the very far off future? You know, I would love to see that future. I think that it's going to require such a coordinated effort across the entire country. All of the highway authorities are going to need to be involved. There was a viral video a couple of years ago about uh, solar roadways, and it, it looks awesome. I think we're a long way off from that, but I think wireless charging is coming along. I know a lot of people are, re- are working on that and, and have high hopes for that. I think for the foreseeable future, we will still be plugging our vehicles into stationary chargers. Yeah. And so what's that look like from the consumer uh, point of view? They, they pull into our parking garage. Do they, 
they have a membership or they just put in their credit card and pay? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways this, this works. You can pay with a mobile app. You can pay with a, a key fob, you know, a little, little plastic card you have in your wallet. The mobile app is great. I tend to just tap my wallet on the, on the charger. I find that faster than actually even opening my phone. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of people really like the app. And you can pay with a credit card. What we are moving towards, what the entire industry is moving towards is essentially you plug in your car, you have an account set up already, and you start charging. And so you, never, you don't take the phone or your wallet out of your, out of your pocket. You just plug in and it starts charging. These days, you, you can have a membership which provides you discounted pricing for a monthly fee, or you can pay as you go, uh, which is what most people tend to do. So what about, again, just from a parking guy, these, these are some things, obstacles I've had where people hog the, the charging station all day. Mm-hmm. Do you have, are there, are there features where you can somehow contact the driver to ask them to politely, politely move so others can charge? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a handful of items that we uh, really focus on to, to try to increase turnover. I would hey, say from a... There's a parking term, increase turnover. Like <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So th- there are a handful of challenges around this. There's also a handful of solutions. One of the big challenges we have is called icing, which is when you know, a gas vehicle or an, what's an internal combustion vehicle, hence the name ICE, will block the charger. That's something that we don't have a lot of control over outside of signage. But in terms of an electric vehicle plugging into the charger and overstaying, there's a handful of mechanisms that we use. One is obviously signage, which tends to go a long way. We, we tend to put up signs that have a you know, maximum parking time, something like an hour, 90 minutes, two hours. The other actually is just other drivers. Folks tend to be pretty vocal uh, about people who are plugged in and their charge is clearly over. The last one is the industry is moving towards idle time fees or idle fees, I should say. Tesla already does that on their chargers. It's something we're thinking about. Yeah, so if their charge is completed, but they're still parked for an X amount of time, they get some Mm -hmm. additional surge price. Yeah, we haven't rolled that out for a variety of reasons yet, but it's certainly something we're thinking about. We do stay in communication with all of our hosts and we survey our drivers to see what they, they think are the, you know, the, the challenges and, and potential areas for improvement. So far, we're not seeing this as a huge issue. Most people who are getting a fast charge, they're doing it because they have somewhere else to be. So it's very rare that someone's going to plug their car into a fast charger and leave mm. it there for four or five hours. Yeah. So we don't see that behavior so much that it's uh, an impediment. But from the parking operator's standpoint, I would say there's still a parking fee being paid. So it's not like there's a lost opportunity there. But what I would say is the nature of fast charging is designed for high turnover. Yeah. And you mentioned Tesla. So I was under the impression they had like their own special charger. Do you have like, can you accommodate multiple types of vehicles? Do they have like different adapters? How's that work? Is Tesla, you guys can accommodate Tesla chargers? Yeah, that's a great question. So Tesla does have its own charging standard. There's actually three different standards for fast charging. There is the Chatamo standard, which is mostly 
Nissan and a few other Asian vehicles. There's something called CCS, which is mostly American and European vehicles. And then there's the Tesla standard. Historically, Tesla vehicles have needed an adapter to use an EVgo station or a level two station. Recently, EVgo has been installing Tesla cables on our own chargers. So we ran a pilot early this year at our chargers in San Francisco. It was very successful. And so we are in the process of rolling this out nationwide. So what what EVgo commits to, what you'll find in our mission statement is that we believe in fast charging for all. And that means being able to serve every fast charging capable vehicle. And that includes Tesla. Yeah, and you're, you're true to your mission. I think I read online over 115 million Americans live within a 15-minute drive of an EVgo fast charging station. So, mm-hmm. you know, I read a, an article online, especially when it comes to autonomous vehicles, but let's just talk about EV. Mm-hmm. When they talk about autonomous vehicles, it's not going to be, uh, we're not all going to own them. They're going to be ride sharing. They're going to be picking people up, dropping them off, going all the time. They're going to be EV. Uh, so they're going to need a place to charge. They're going to need a place to park. And I don't know if you had other trends like that. We should talk about rideshare autonomous vehicles when it comes to EV charging. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really big trend that we are already seeing in, in the market. And what we're seeing is even a handful of Lyft and Uber drivers or any type of rideshare drivers driving an EV their requirement for electricity for charging is many times what an independent driver would have. And then beyond that, in terms of turnover, a Lyft and Uber driver is not going to stay one extra minute beyond the, the completion of their charge. Yeah. So there's a real opportunity for, for everybody in the industry, uh, both the EV charging industry and parking industry, to capitalize on this unbelievable demand for charging, but also the, the use type that really fits into the business models of EV charging and parking where people are going to come in, they're going to charge and they're going to leave and we're going to get that really high turnover. Yeah. And I've heard the term a lot, these rideshare hubs, mobility hubs. Mm-hmm. And really what that is, is EV charging is critical to that, to, to that being mm-hmm. successful. It's a place for these guys to charge, take a break, have Wi-Fi to whatever, get a coffee get in their car and go. So EV charging is kind of the first step in these mobility rideshare hubs. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think you're, you were also right about autonomous vehicles. What we're going to see is that when these vehicles hit the streets, they are going to be electric. And, and the other thing with autonomous and just for rideshare in general, they require level three fast charging. A level two charger is not going to be sufficient for rideshare because really for these people, time is money. So they need to get in, get their fast charger, grab a coffee, whatever, and and get out and get back on the road. So those folks are going to be almost 100% dependent on public fast charging. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the law. I just talked about another episode, but the the law that says technology doubles every year, but Mm -hmm. we, we talk about 400 miles or you know, in 10 years, you never know. You could probably get a, a thousand miles and charge it in five minutes. <laughs> I'm probably way off because I don't know the, the, the numbers, but it's, it's getting faster every year, bottom yeah. line. So, yeah. It definitely is. It definitely is. Another thing, too, just in the parking industry, we have our own version of LEED. It's called Park Smart. So, parking mm-hmm. garage owners can get points by having EV charging stations. 
Mm-hmm. And folks, you just heard that there's no no charge to you. They will take care of the installation and on all that. And uh, I think you're crazy not to reach out to them. So, <laughs> so how can Jonah? How can listeners reach out to you or EVGo if they want to discuss putting in EV charging stations in their market or in their parking facility? Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, start by uh, the easiest is to go to our website, which is evgo.com. And you'll see uh, an information request form around installing a a charging station under site hosts. What we would want to do is come out, do do an assessment of your site, propose a location for the charging stations, and work with you on on the details of of an agreement. We would obviously go through the design permitting, uh, utility interconnection ourselves, and and obviously keep keep our hosts in the loop uh, the whole time. So Jonah, when you're, when you're not, when you're not solving fast charging problems, what do you like to do? So I heard a surfing earlier and I think I heard possibility of a, of a baby in the background Mm -hmm. that, that might be uh, taking up your time recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, these days the majority of my time is, uh, focused on wrangling children, which, uh, in, in the COVID world is a higher percentage of my days than I think we'd all like it to be. I congratulate. How many do you have? I've got two two girls, uh, almost four and almost six months. Uh, wow, six so, months. You know, I know that like the the generation, I can't remember, but I think Z is like born after 9-11. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if COVID is like yeah. the new generation, like the, I don't know what comes after Z, but the, the new generation that doesn't <laughs> shake hands and, and doesn't, you know. <laughs> so, so Never heard baby, of a high five. Yeah. <laughs> What's a high five? That's this baby's born in this part of this new generation, but no, yeah. congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're certainly learning to do as much of our, uh, our job as possible remotely and also getting to spend lots of time with children. It's really fun to be on our you know, every so often we have an all staff meeting and everybody's on Zoom and that's kind of the meeting where everyone's like, all right, bring the kids in. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you, Jonah. I had a a great time. I appreciate your knowledge. Great learning about EVGo and all their solutions. They will do you guys right. Please get on their website and reach out to them. Their website will be in the show notes. But Jonah, once again, thank you so much. Have a great week. You too, Isaiah. Take care. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook. Appreciate learning more about EVGo. Oh, there we go. Oh, there <laughs> yeah. <he is. laughs> Love it. He was nice enough to hold off until the end. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I can record that other part on my own. (laughs) That's definitely going in the outtakes. That's funny.